You're at the Over or Under Show. I'm your host, Ed Henderson. And man, it's a crazy world we live in. It has no shortages of rabbit holes. I'm not scared of rabbit holes. If you're not scared of rabbit holes, this show is for you. Let's see if we can jump in one and make our way back to the top. Welcome back to Over and Under. I'm your host, Ed Henderson. And uh, I wasn't really planning on doing a podcast today. I was talking to a friend, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hope you're having a great day. I was actually surprised by a text that he sent me from my last podcast. He said, you know, until you brought up the fact that the United States is not a democracy, yet a constitutional republic, I never really thought much about that. And so I was reading that text, and I, I just couldn't help it. I had to call him. I was like, Joe, did uh, did you really not know that we were a constitutional republic? He said, no, I had never heard that until you said that. So I'm... I feel a need to go into that a little bit deeper. So that wasn't even part of the podcast. I just kind of that just kind of got worked in there. So let, let's do talk about that a little bit. So if you remember, I used an example of a democracy, a, a mother and a child sitting at a table with pedophiles taking a vote. So that wouldn't work out a good. Let me try another one. This happened quite a bit when I was a kid. I loved watching westerns. I loved stuff like uh, Rifleman, Gunsmoke. Almost inevitably, there would be some episode where there was a stranger in town, something got stolen, maybe a woman got raped or assaulted, and the crowd and the, the, the townspeople would get together and they would go get the rope, they'd get the torches, and they'd go marching off to the jail, and there they would meet a Marshall Dillon type figure, and they'd say, Marshall, step to the side, you know we got to do what we got to do. And that marshal would step up and say, "Okay, Hoss, let's uh, think about this for a second. We have a we have laws in this land and he's going to get a proper trial. And so the sheriff represents a constitutional republic. That mob represents democracy. They've already talked about it. They took a vote and they're in one accord. Something happened in that town. Somebody's going to pay. Nobody's done an investigation. But by God, they're going to march right to that jail. And they're going to get that person out and they're going to hang him or shoot him, however they're going to do him in, to the point to where they would possibly hurt or kill somebody they grew up with on any given day they typically love. But that sheriff has been put in a very difficult situation because he might have to shoot one of his good friends that he grew up with. But the principle that he is supporting is so much greater than any personal interest that he has. He knows that he lives in America and everybody's rights are granted by the U.S. Constitution. So you got the mob represented by democracy and you have a constitutional republic that's being identified through that sheriff. So as me and Joseph were talking about him not realizing that we live in a constitutional republic, you know, we talked a little bit further and he made the comment of, well, maybe I'm just stupid or maybe I'm ignorant. And that is far from the case. I respect him very much. I think he's a very intelligent fellow. He's he's very smart. I'm pretty sure he's got more education than I do. I have a high school education. And I'm pretty sure Joe is college educated. I did raise two kids now. I've sent one to college, one graduated college, and she now teaches other people. She made the remark to me one time. She said, Pop, you know, if you had a graduated from college, you know, and you had that type of education, you would understand things better. So (laughs) I guess. Well, anyhow, let me go back to the topic that I was talking about, and that was a constitutional republic where the individual's rights are guaranteed 
uh, versus a democracy. Now, you could live in a constitutional republic, and I guess it could be authoritarian, but the U.S. Constitution grants individual rights. Now, somebody much smarter than me, Professor Steve Hank, this is his take on it. I'm going to quote him. The Constitution was designed to further the cause of liberty, not democracy. To do that, the Constitution protected individual rights from government as well as from their fellow citizens. To that end, a Constitution laid down clear, unequivocal, and enforceable rules to protect individual rights. In consequence, the government's scope and scale were strictly limited. Economic liberty, which is a precondition for growth and prosperity, was enshrined in the Constitution. That last sentence, economic liberty, which is a precondition for growth and prosperity, was enshrined in the Constitution. Redistribution of wealth can't factor into that. I mean, for people just to arbitrarily vote to redistribute somebody else's wealth and the things that they earn themselves is not in keeping with the Constitution. Uh, You don't see Elizabeth Warren or even Bernie Sanders redistributing their wealth, and they've got all the freedom in the world to do so. Yet with all the wealth that they have, and they are very wealthy, they want you to look at the billionaire. You know, if they're multimillionaires, well, that's that's not rich. They are living in the top 1%. I'm pretty sure you might want to check that. I did not check it myself, but they're up there. They're in the top 5%, right? You better be careful when you start class warfare because once you knock off the big cats, everybody's going to be standing around looking at you. Kind of happened that way in the French Revolution. Back to uh, Professor Professor Hank, he uses the example of Alexander Hamilton, the most woke founding father of them all. He was on Broadway, as you imagine, and all the woke and what they call the cancel culture just fawned over Alexander Hamilton. Well, Mr. or Professor Hank points out that Alexander Hamilton, a distinguished lawyer, took on many cases out of principle after the Revolutionary War. These included the Confiscation Act of 1779, the Citation Act of 1782, and the Trespass Act of 1783, all involved the taking of property. In Hamilton's view, these acts illustrated the inherent differences between democracy and the law. Even though the acts were widely popular, They flouted fundamental principles of property law. Hamilton carried his views into action and successfully defended in the face of enormous public hostility those who had property taken under the three New York State statutes. There you have it. The first woke founding father of the United States of America believed in the protection of personal property rights. You know, you would think sometimes some of the comments that are made by the left that the Constitution and the independence of uh, the Declaration of Independence are instruments to, to deprive you of your rights. But the Constitution was actually limited in scope. It only had a few enumerated powers that they could impose on its citizens. Now, they have been expanded greatly, and I would, I would argue more times than not unconstitutionally. So I just wanted to share that with you. If people like Joe don't know that, it makes you wonder... How many people actually do know that? How many people go through elementary school, junior high, high school, get a full two, four years of education and don't understand the government that actually protects and gives them their freedoms or the instruments from which it did? I'll say it again. Nowhere will you find the word democracy in the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution. It's your country, people. You ought to know a little something about it. Now, We do have democratically elected representatives. 
But other than that, they are under the same constitution that you and I are under. That Supreme Court is supposed to be under that same constitution that is over you and I. And, and let me just add this also. That's the real reason why socialists and communists want to circumvent the Constitution. It's why they want to destroy it, rewrite it, because you can't have socialism and communism under that Constitution. There's too many rights that are guaranteed. The, the whole, anytime you hear somebody talk about taking property from somebody else and giving it to somebody else, that is the antithesis of anything that has to do with the U.S. Constitution. I don't think you'll ever find a more generous nation than the United States of America when they step up to meet the needs of not only their people, but the needs of people all over this world. But it's one thing to voluntarily give of yourself, give of those things that you earn by your hands. It's quite another when you do it with the boot of the government on the back of your neck. So, Joe, thanks once again for sharing with me that you, you didn't know that. And uh, don't feel bad that you didn't know that. Now you do know it. Now you can tell more people. It kind of makes you think. You remember what I was talking about in the last podcast, how the communists need to destroy your U.S. Constitution, but they also need to infiltrate all your schools. They don't have to have a bona fide communist standing in front of every classroom. The only thing they have to do is sell the program that is going to indoctrinate your, your future. If you don't know these things about your country, if you do not know where you derive your true powers from, which is from God himself, but if, if you're not into the God thing and you don't believe in God, your next best article is going to be that Constitution. And you can only hope that it's going to be supported by a lot of people that do believe in God for we hold these truths self-evident, right? That all men are created equal. You have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but that doesn't mean you have to diminish or take away from the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness of others. It was just going to guarantee you the journey. It did not guarantee you those things. So again, I, I wasn't planning on doing a podcast today. I don't even know if you'll even find this interesting. Very little preparation was done for this hopefully 20 minutes I'm going to be able to do. But the fact that Joe made me aware that I'm like, man, I just can't take for granted that people know this. And this is very, very important. So I, I feel I feel compelled to hand this off to people who are smarter than me, people who are more eloquent than I am, people who uh, will share this information. I begged him to uh, please, if he hears one of the podcasts and he thinks it's helpful, to go ahead and forward it to people that he knows. So now I've only killed about 11 minutes, so I'll probably fill it up with some miscellaneous stuff. Did you catch the uh, State of the Union address the other night? It's been about two nights ago. I was kind of excited. I was excited that the president was talking about arming the populace and securing the border. I would listen a little bit longer and, oh, I realized that it wasn't his populace that he wanted to see armed for protection or it was not his border that he wanted to protect. He was going to protect uh, the Ukraine border, or he, he had interest in that border over there. It's amazing how much resources he's pouring into hoping that the Ukrainian people can secure that border and making sure that we help in su the supply of weapons. Now, that's all good and fine. My prayers and my hope are for the Ukrainian people. I do pray for their victory, but I just, I'm just saying I wish the President of the United States would take as much of an interest in our protection and our borders as he does on another country all the way across the other side of the world. I am 
happy that I saw that COVID was cured that night. If you notice, the president didn't have a mask on. We, right up to that point, masks were so critical uh, that uh, your life was in danger. But the president cured it, and now we can take the mask off. I love Democrats because they usually go around uh, curing the diseases that they caused in the first place. You might have caught that he wants to uh, fund police officers now. Well, it was them that started defunding the police officers. I would also, again, bring to your mind something I said in that other podcast. What happens to the police possibly? possibly. What happens to the police when the the state takes them under their wing and says, you know what? Those people haven't showed you any love. They've been executing you for the last year and a half, two years. We've been sitting by watching them kill you at two and three a day. We're going to let you do what you need to do. This is what we need for you to do for the state and understand you can go ahead and impose that power on the average citizen without any threat of retribution from the government. You now work for us. There's going to, there potentially could be a lot of cops looking for some payback. They're going to, when they're dealing with you, they're going to remember you did not care what happened to them and their people. So what kind of retribution could they possibly take out on you? It is something to think about. But but anyhow, for the for the Democrats to say that they're going to start funding the, the the police departments again, that's like an arsonist getting credit for putting out the fire that he started in the first place. Also found it incredibly interesting that the president talked about releasing 30 million barrels to try to offset the losses of Russia, which we are still buying their oil people. We didn't need to. Under President Trump, we were energy independent. Uh, It's because he shut down a pipeline. He's not allowing drilling on certain federal lands. Fracking's totally out of the question. I was reading where, well, it it was a green article. They were all for shutting down the Keystone XL. And they were talking about the environmental damage. But by their estimates, the Keystone pipeline would have produced 830,000 barrels a day. So roughly somewhere between 30 and 36 days, he would have had those 30 million gallons or 30 million barrels of oil. Something else I'm not sure that you're aware of, but in March of 2020, the uh, energy of department under Trump wanted to go ahead and top off the reserves. It was very cheap. It was selling between 22 and $24 per barrel. I mean, that's incredible. It's $106 a barrel today. But anyhow, the the thrust of it was that we didn't need those 830,000 barrels a day. And it has nothing to do with today's prices or what other people are paying for, which just flies in the face of Economics 101. Whenever you start cutting production of a resource, that resource is going to go up in price. The 30 million was the first part of Trump's plan to do an overall 70 million. He tried to get it in with the stimulus plan. It's like $2 trillion. And I guess he was trying to find some way to work with the Democrats. So he was going to get this in that bill also. He was going to go ahead and top off the reserve when gas was almost free at $24 a barrel. That's incredible. Well, Chucky Schumer, oh, Chucky, Chucky Schumer, he uh, got it thrown out and he was high-fiving all his other Democratic friends and he was saying, hey, we really stuck it to the uh, big fat rich oil guys. So that was just a big bailout for them. So anyhow, let's just look at what Biden is doing by releasing that 30 million barrels. 
If we had have acquired those barrels under Trump, they would have cost $704 million. Doing it today, it's a cost of about $3 billion. So who did Chucky really stick it to? Did he stick it to me and you, or did he stick it to those rich fat cats at the uh, oil companies? I'd say he stuck it and broke it off in us, brother. Just think about that. $704 million versus $3 billion. That's the difference between a businessman making a decision and a politician making a decision. It played well on the 6 o'clock news for Chucky. But it's killing people like you and me, and it's having real-world ramifications as Russia is now invading Ukraine. And one of their lifeline bloods is the sale of their oil, which we are still buying today after that big speech that Biden gave about cutting Russia off, shutting their banks off. We are still buying their oil. All he's got to do is go back to that plan. You know, for people to tell you that the halting of that pipeline had nothing to do with the price of gas, that is, that's a lie. If you don't think markets respond to future production, you're, you're, you're crazy. They're looking six months. They're looking a year out. It, it could be very favorable. Biden could announce today that he's going to open up production, that we will be going back to being fully independent within ourselves. That would in itself, just that announcement before it even happened, would have an effect on the price of oil. It would drop today. You know, I'm talking about real world matters, people. I'm not even talking about the the mom and the dad that get in their car every day and stop at that gas pump. How does it feel? I mean, you're paying, what, a dollar fifty more than what you were? And if you were head of an oil company, would you, uh, like Donald Trump in charge, where you're getting $24 a barrel? Or would you like somebody like Shucky Chucky Schumer, who will get you 106 dollars a barrel. Again, people, this is Economics 101. I'm not an economics professor by any stretch of the imagination, but that's simple mathematics. Yeah, I don't know what Trump thought about Russia, but he would have been well prepared should they do such a thing. He probably thought that they would never do anything like this while he was president, and I, and I tend to believe that, but uh, I can't help but think, you know, Biden gave the green light to him when he made that little announcement that, you know, if it's just a minor incursion, no big deal. Russia ain't doing no minor incursions. They're doing just what they're doing right now, and if they had the opportunity, you can best believe they would do it to this country also. Okay, so it looks like I am going to be able to fill up 20 minutes a day with my ramblings. I hope you got something out of it. I really did very little preparation for this podcast, just the conversation with Joe and then watching a few things on TV, the State of the Union. I, I felt like I might be able to get on here, but my real purpose was I was just going to try maybe in my insignificant way to just try to get people to understand where their rights are derived from. First and foremost, they come from God Almighty. You were very fortunate that you had a, you had founding fathers that recognized that and realizing that man and unruly mobs, people who have less than the best of intentions for you individually, they put instruments in place to make sure that people could not get together and vote in mass to deprive you of those certain rights. So, again, as I always do, I encourage you to do your own reading. Maybe you'll find out something more in depth. And if I'm wrong, tell me that I'm wrong. Show me where I'm wrong. I'm, I'm open for that. I'm just hoping that I can uh, influence you to look a little bit deeper. You live in a very 
wonderful country. You live in the best country in the world. Don't let anybody tell you, as everybody talks about all the oppression of this country. Did, anybody, did nobody tell those people who are pouring over our borders? And the last I heard, there's been 165 uh, countries represented that have come over that border. Now, by far, most of them are coming from South America, Mexico, uh, everything below that southern border, Nicaragua. Honduras. These people are starting out on treks that are hundreds, if not thousands of miles. Some of them are coming from across the ocean to start that trek. Are you going to believe what the politicians tell you? or Are you going to believe what your eyes and what you're seeing in your own communities? Why are these people doing this? Are they leaving oppression to embrace more oppression? No, they have come here to embrace the liberties and the freedoms that are guaranteed under our government. Maybe that's the trade-off we could do. Maybe we could take uh, socialists like AOC and the squad. Maybe we could get Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren to trade places with these people who want to be Americans. And let's, let's put them on their journey towards the utopia of socialism and communism. If that's what they want to do, we should start doing one-for-one trades. People who want to enjoy the freedoms and liberties of this country, let's start doing a one-for-one trade. I mean, there are perfectly well-functioning communist and socialist countries out there that we could be doing one-for-one trades. Okay, let me let me get off my high horse now. Let me get off my soapbox. Let me calm down a little bit. I'm, I'm actually a pretty chill dude. Anybody that knows me would tell you that. I do, once again, thank you for joining me. I just really wanted to drive home the difference between mob rule, anarchy, and having the gift of having this constitutional republic that recognizes the rights of the individual. It was Benjamin Franklin, when he left the convention, was asked by a woman out in the streets, doctor, what kind of uh, government do we have? He says, you've got a republic, if you can keep it. So... Part of keeping this constitutional republic that we have is educating yourself. So get those documents out. Don't, don't listen to me. Don't listen to anybody else. Go read for yourself and find out what those founding fathers put in place for us to have, to build upon, to have the freedoms that we have today. And even more importantly, if you get the opportunity to uh, shake the hand or show your appreciation to somebody who has served in our armed military forces that have get, many times given blood or survived and came home and are suffering a disability. They did that to continue to secure your freedoms. No politician ever did. I can promise you that unless they served in the military. The least that they can do is be respectful of those people and they can be respectful of those founding documents. Okay, so that's all I've got today. And uh, hey, please keep President Biden in your prayers. They had to take him to the hospital this morning. Seems that he couldn't stop Putin. <laughs> couldn't stop Putin. Okay, I wanted to get that little joke in there. My wife told me that last night. It was it was one of the funny things she's ever told me. So I'm going to splice this uh, tape. You'll probably be able to tell it's going to be a hard splice, but I wanted to get that joke in there. I hope the next time we sit down, I'll have something better prepared for you. And um, as I always do, I wish you well till we're back together. God bless and uh, take care. Bye.